Hello and welcome to Money with Mac and Jam. Ben Jones, and today we have a very special guest, someone that started a software business his senior year in college. The business was later acquired 27 years later after he had started it. And now he's a managing partner in an angel investing company here in Indianapolis who has invested in over 50 different companies that he's helping to succeed. Let's stay tuned for some up close and personal time with Tony Petrosciani. Tony, hey, it's great to be here um, and have you here. You're a pretty humble guy, which I really love, who's done some extraordinary things and is currently working with 50 different startups. That's pretty huge. We also brought your son along, who we featured uh, the last couple weeks, which is really cool. And you're doing this like huge exposure to so many different companies and helping so many companies. We, we just wanted to sit down with you and get your story. How are you doing today? Doing great. Doing great. Thanks for having me. Doing great. All right. And Long time listener, first time caller. <laughs> there you go. And Kobe, you were here the last, uh, what do you call it, last week, and we're doing the two-part story on you. Um, how are you doing today? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. Thanks cool. for having me. Cool. Should we start with the, the magic fishbowl and pull a question for Mr. Tony Petrosciani? Go ahead, Tony. Oh, boy. Uh-oh. He's pulling it out. <clears throat> Let's see if he gets a good one. This better not have anything to do with your sister. <laughs> it seems to never get old with you, does it? <laughs> what do you got? What's the worst food you've ever tried? Ooh, okay. I don't think it can be sushi, right? What about, def- that, what about that hot sauce recently? It can't be anything about your sister's cooking, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say it's probably not the worst, but it's the, the weirdest. Uh, I was on a trip. This is back when I was uh, I got into the international stuff with my company. So I had to go around the world and, and deal with different sales teams and uh know the feeling and we were actually visiting we we did a little stopover in manila in the philippines and we got to meet a development team we were using some offshore development resources and the the guy from southeast asia was taking us around was like hey whatever you do if these guys try to talk to you about this delicacy that you need to try don't do it whatever you do don't do it i'm like what is it he goes and i'm going to pronounce it wrong it's called a balut a balut a balut and i'm like what is it he goes don't worry you don't want it okay so we go, we meet with them all day, have a long meeting, and afterwards we go downstairs uh, to, to the local pub there and we're having a couple beers and just kind of reflecting on the differences between, you know, what we see normally in a work day and they see. And it was really cool, you know, learning about their culture and all that. And after we're, we're getting on to beer three and one of the guys goes, hey, I'm going to go get some balut. Does anybody want any? Like uh, – I look at my partner that I'm traveling with over there, my buddy, Larry, my buddy Larry, and we've both been warned to say no. And I go, "Well, I'll do it if he does it." <laughs> he goes, "Well, I'll do it if he does it." <laughs> they come back and they cost at the time. Oh gosh, this was in the early 2000s. So th- at the time, this was like uh, there were ten cents a piece. They're basically they take a fertilized duck egg, and then they wait until just before they hatch and they hard boil them. I know. Ugh. I've heard this. I've seen that when I was in Vanilla. They're carrying them around. Yeah. So they, they came the... back with a bunch of eggs. I'm like, oh, be- eggs. No big deal. You love you eggs. I love eggs. I eat oh. lots of eggs. So you chop the flat end off. There's a little air pocket there. And there's a bunch of fluid. And you drink that. Then you peel it the rest of the way. And you eat what's in there. Uh, anything too hard to chew, you spit that out. Like the beak. Like the beak is formed on this thing. I was about to ask. Are there like bones in there too? Uh, that... Yeah. A lot of those are pretty soft. Um, so just mildly <laughs> crunchy, got it. And, and there's and the feathers, but they're all wet because they're in that fluid. It turns out, and, and I, I haven't validated this, but I think it's uric acid that it's in there, which is basically the things peeing in the eggshell the whole time, right? 
Oh, that sounds absolutely delicious. So that's probably what a uh, delicacy. There's, 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 thanks for the magic fishbowl piece there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're the one that came up with the idea. You know, text to me, you're like, do the magic fishbowl, and, and so I found forty kind of unusual questions, and that's uh, like a good one. Mm. Well, we're here to talk about your success story, not successfully drinking. Um, uh, what do you call it? bird pee out of an egg? So uh, how about we start back just a little bit way back? Um, give us a little bit of rundown on your story because <laughs> it's better ahead. than drinking bird pee from you know another spot. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. A kids show, kids show. So when you were growing up, you were on a part of town from a part of town that was a little rough. And um, your parents were kind of get, getting started with a business uh, of their own. And so maybe we just start real quick back then. What was going on? Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about things to talk about. Uh, and as uh, work ethic is one of those things. You start a company that people talk about work ethic a lot. But my dad, when he was when mom and dad were first married, he would work. He was, they were up in Chicagoland area. And he would work two. Th- at one point, he had three jobs. So he just worked his butt off trying to make a, a living. And were they all three jobs in the same industry? Or? No, they were different. Like one of them was a dry cleaning route and when he worked at the post office. And I, I think he had an employment agency that he bought from somebody. So he was just kind of always a little ADHD. And, oh, super ADHD. And then just about a hard worker and he got out there and did some cool stuff. Just hustle. He just He's a hustler, you know, having the side gigs going, uh, side hustle, I guess you call it. So he, uh, you know, I, I kind of watched that early on because what happened was he got offered a job to sell equipment in the uh, in the area in the medical equipment area called otorhinolaryngology. And did he know what that was? No, he told my told my mom. He said, "Hey, I just took this job. We're going to go sell this stuff down in Indianapolis. We got to move. I don't even know what it. I don't know how to say it. We're going to sell this stuff, and you can make a lot of money." So. Uh, yeah, so he ends up moving down there to sell ENT, your nose and throat instruments, right? And uh, becomes uh, becomes successful enough that he actually starts his own business selling it. But it wasn't like it was uh, overnight success. Uh, we they did it in their out of the house. So we that had must a, have been fun, huh? Uh, Eating and pass the ENT <clears throat> nose thing. We had yeah, no, <laughs> we, it's like we had the you know we had the range and then the sink and then we had a desk with two phones on it because we had to have. Back in the day, you had, you know, in case one line was busy, you had to be able to have two calls at the same time. And oh, then we had the dining room table. So it would, they would work all day. My dad would travel a lot, sell and come home. And then we'd eat dinner and my mom would just move from the, the work desk because she ran everything except for sales. And then she would come in and then we'd sit down at the dinner table and we'd listen to him talk about everything going right and wrong. Yeah, all the right things, all the wrong things. Mostly yeah, so wrong, probably. <laughs> a lot I of wrong believe. stuff. So you, you got an experience. You know, we talked to Cove. Kobe was, hey, he, he came up with the, the new idea, but uh, the idea of owning his own business wasn't really that scary because your dad had a business. And so for yep. you, you saw that your dad had this business, but did it turn you off a little bit? Because it sounds like that's a little too close all the time. Uh, yeah. One of the things that, I mean, I love watching, you know, my dad worked his butt off. My mom worked her butt off. I mean, they built the business together, and, uh, but I just hated being at home at dinner and talking about work again. I mean, you just live through it the whole day. And then you're mm-hmm. the dinner table talking about it. I was like, where's the fun time, the downtime? But, I, I mean, I learned a ton. But it was, uh, you know, fast forward when I'd come home from work and I'd hang out with Lori for dinner. How was your day? What happened today? I'm like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so used to 
it just wasn't always pleasant experience. I mean, you'd have some wins and all that, but it was always the same stuff all the time. You're talking work, work, work. So how old were you when you actually learned what an account receivable was or revenue recognition? Yeah, or... probably way too young. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mom handled accounts receivable and accounts payable. Uh, they did shipping and inventory control. They did manufacturing. Well, they sewed stuff and made stuff. And were you back there? You did some of it. Didn't you tell me a story about burning your hands? Or... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was, I was kind of, I like to experiment, investigate, and learn. And so, yeah, the one room had... Uh, we, Did you we hear made... about this, Cove? I don't think so. Okay, good for you. Go. <laughs> we made the, uh, We used to make these things called myringotomy tubes. So okay. they're little drain tubes. If you heard kids get ear infections, they have to put, put them a in the tube ear. in their ear to drain the infection out. Oh, so, that's yummy. So they've got all kinds of different shapes and sizes, but we used to take this, this little skinny Teflon tubing and you'd... Uh, we had this little iron, this little iron tip, like looked like a like a little pinky finger, and it had a little hole in the end. And you'd stick this, you put this tubing, and they put this wire down it, and you push the tubing into that iron, and it, it would flange it out. Gotcha. We would cut the edges, and that would be so when it went in, it wouldn't go all the way in your ear. It, it would, would stop. It would stop it. So they made these things all day long, and then they would clean them, and then they put them in pack individual packages. They'd sterilize them. Yep. And then they'd sell them, and and they made pretty good money. And one one day, I was probably six years old, seven years old, and I'm in the workroom, which used to be our playroom, but they took over, you know, they took over the room. <laughs> Child labor laws. Uh... It was technically the dining room of the house, a little dining room that was the playroom. And then as soon as they started growing, it became the workroom. So we didn't have a place to play. <laughs> you want to come over to my house? Yeah. No, I don't want to go work <laughs> no, at your I'll house. No, i your house. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, one night I walked up to that thing and I, it was before I made these things. It was early on and I went up and I was going to touch this thing. It was the end of the day, it was like four o'clock and I reached up to touch it. My dad goes, don't you touch that. It'll burn your finger. I go, oh, he goes, that's really hot. That's what we, and he showed me how you make those. Things. Oh, okay. Later on that night, he leaves. It's like six o'clock, 6.30. I walk in the room. It's dark, but there's light coming in from the kitchen. And I see that thing. And I go up. Now I'm going to touch it because obviously it's been turned <laughs> off and I want to touch it. He had not unplugged it. So I touched the end of it and it burnt the bejesus out of my finger. Instant blister. I scream out. I'm crying. I got there. My mom's like, what happened? What happened? I'm like, I burned my finger, burned my finger. So she's like running under cold water. My dad goes, did you go touch that thing? I go, yeah. He goes, I told you not to. I go, I know. I thought it was off. He goes, I bet you never do that again. (laughs) We might need to get your dad here in order to tell his story because he is an interesting guy to say the least. But Uh, Yeah, we need to get him on the show. (laughs) But you were definitely like, you were learning a lot by being there and exposed to it. You saw what was going on and that took a lot of hard work, right? Oh, yeah. And so you moved on into grade school, high school, right? And then kind of what led you down the path that got you to where you are today? Well, uh, that's a good question. I was I was, uh, I was always kind of uh, young for the class that I was in, and I was always kind of geeky. So I always liked the technical stuff. I liked math, loved math. Uh, uh, computers were just coming out. Uh, we lived in, a, in an area of town that had a strip mall, and in the strip mall they had a radio shack. So we'd go run around the strip mall all the time and just kind of up and down, and uh, we'd go into the drugstore and buy, you know, the candy bar, occasional candy bar or whatever, right. and then run next door to the Radio Shack and hang out there. I think I was 12. And the TRS-80 had been released. Trash-80, baby. Trash-80. <laughs> Radio Shack computer, 4K RAM, baby. <laughs> <laughs> you were excited. I was pretty excited. And the manager at the time, who was probably, you know, 20 years old, <laughs> showed me how to get in there It's a program it. He showed me how the programming language. So I would go over there in the afternoons and and play around the programming. Oh, really? I didn't know that. That's yeah, pretty so I'm, Yeah, so I'm, tw- I'm 12, I think I'm 12 at the time, 12 or 13. And and I, I was young for, you know, 
uh, for school. Uh, so I was actually 13 when I was a freshman as, in high school. And our high school Ouch. was one of the first high schools in Indianapolis to have a computer programming class. And it was back then a mainframe downtown Indianapolis. I don't know what it was, but uh, but we had a uh, um, we didn't have a monitor. We had a teletype, three hundred baud teletype. So <laughs> when you pro- when you type, you type into it and it would a show bod. up on the paper. Kind of hadn't heard that word in a long time. Yeah, then you'd say you'd have commands to save it, the routine, you know, save your program, and then you'd say, "Hey, I want to print it," and it would come back to, and print out on the paper. There was no screen, so mm. it was like awesome. You just like love this new technology. I loved it, learning yeah. how to do it. You told the printer to print, and it I was told just... the, yeah, I could tell the printer to hello world. <laughs> was oh. that was that your first girlfriend, like kind of thing? Wow. Oh. I thought this was a kid's thing, and I could go there if you want. <laughs> but you did, and you got excited about it. You you understood what it was all about. Could you see the potential of what this thing was going to do? Well, it's funny because uh, my dad is, you know, mom, mom and dad were both pretty much computer illiterate. Uh, but they, they got in the point where they finally, when, when we were in high school, they, 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 uh, leased a building. They had a 3000 square foot building. They moved the business there. So we got the house back. Nice. Uh, and they, you know, they had hired a couple of people and next thing you know, they've got to have, uh, three terminals on their computer system to, to do the stuff they need done, you know, accounts, receivable, accounts, payable, inventory, invoicing. So I'm working at high school. I'm doing computer programming. I got the TRS-80 that I, I played around with. Uh, right. They bought their new computer. They need to make some changes to it. So they, my dad would pick me up from high school at about 1230, my, my sophomore year. I get early release. Really? Kind of sounds like prison. You got That was kind of – the place over there <laughs> good was like a prison. <laughs> Actually – Early release, baby. It was more like the place where you hang out with before you go to prison. Uh, it's a part of Indianapolis, a little rough. It's a little rough area. The, the paddy wagon's coming in firing the tear gas into the school to break up the riots. Did that happen? Yeah. So, unfortunately, I wasn't hurt because uh, I learned – being the little guy, I learned to walk fast and not make eye contact. So I didn't get beat up very much. I got picked on. Uh, nothing ever really bad. So you you were in a tough you were in a tough position. And the interesting part that at least we said about this limited series was the fact that people are coming from essentially not very much to making something of themselves. So you had this interest. Can we call it a passion yet? Or just... yeah, yeah. I mean, I loved I loved the computers because. You know, uh, getting picked on. Nobody listened to me, but I could tell a computer what to do, and it would do it. Nice. I was I was the boss. So uh, I was doing work for my dad. He'd pick me up at twelve thirty, take early me release. for lunch, early release, <laughs> and then we'd go to the office, and I would program his computer, and I would do stuff on the computer. And he had no qualms about you doing this. No, he didn't know what it was. He he loved the fact that he had free labor. Yeah, well, it wasn't free. I mean, I'm sure he was paying me three bucks an hour. Well, and he's Queen. over here sitting like, oh, Tony wants to hit the buttons on the machine. Like, <laughs> you know, if it makes him happy, I'll let him do it. <laughs> <laughs> so you're over there programming and you're digging it. Like, I li- yeah, I loved it. Junior, senior year, we had a uh, we had a five megabyte hard drive Ooh. on the system, and every night we do a backup. We put a <laughs> MB, fourteen baby. inch removable platter. We put in there and copy the five megabytes and take that big thing. We'd put it in a big phone box and take it home. So we had a backup. <laughs> Disaster recovery <laughs> and all that. <laughs> Disaster recovery. We didn't know what that was at the time. But, uh, yeah. So uh, basically, I was getting close to graduating high school, and I'm like, my buddies are going to college. I really love computers. I kind of want to go to college. And my dad's like, yeah, you don't need to go to college. You can work at the family business. You're already doing work here. You just come here and work. I'm like, 
Mm. I really wanted to go experience the college thing. I didn't know what it was, but I knew I wanted to go. Because you're the first one in the family, right? First one to go. Yeah, mom and dad didn't go. And so, they, you know. They, and uh, they're doing well. Your dad's finally moved to a spot where he's got a, a membership at the country club, right? He he got in. He got introduced to golf by one of his buddies, and he joined a country club by this time. Yeah, so... So you're starting to see a resemblance of people around you that had a little bit of money. You're trying, starting to see your parents are working hard and things are going pretty well. You're doing the computer, um, the programming, and you're sitting there going, wow, this seems to be working. And do I go to college or not? And so what made you go to college? Uh, well, my my best friend was going to college. I'm like, I want to go to college. So I'm like, hey, dad, <laughs> I want to go to college. They're like, now nah, you don't need to go to college. I'm like, well, what happens if somebody buys your company and they don't want to keep me on? I need a degree to fall back on, don't I? And he goes, uh, all right, you can go to college. Wow. That simple of a conversation. Yeah, <laughs> well, probably wasn't exactly that simple. I, uh, <laughs> That's the way you remember it. Yeah. How well, much we should... only have so much time on this, right? Yeah, exactly. What'd you think? How much did college cost back then? Uh, you know, like it was nickel? interesting. Uh, it was uh, my total cost of college, four years, room and board, tuition, the whole bit was just under 16000 So Wow. Just under four grand a year. Because <laughs> I thought mine was like 24 or something because I came a handful of years after you. Yeah, like when I went decades. to Purdue, what was like twenty five grand a year? Yeah, that's definitely changed, man. But the cool thing about Purdue is that's been the same tuition for like eight years in a row. That's true. They have yeah. frozen. They've, they've frozen the cost, which is good. But anyway, yeah. So, so you're going to Ball State now. You're so on your way. I'm on my way. Um, my dad, while I was in college, he bought a new upgraded computer system, and he called me from. I'm up at college one day, and he calls me. He's like, Tony, damn it. Uh, I just <laughs> sounds like your dad already. I just bought this new. <laughs> This new computer system, and uh, I need to get this commissions program so I can pay my salespeople. And now I just spent like $100,000 on this computer system, and they want $3,000 more to do this custom program for commissions. I go, well, hang on a second, Dad. You bought a new computer system? You didn't even involve me in the process? <laughs> That's what I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, you're paying for my college to go up here, right? Uh, I mean, a little side note, I ended up paying my fourth year of college, so it was... Awesome. So and where are you taking computer science at? Computer uh, science, Ball State University, chirp, chirp. chirp. <laughs> chirp, chirp. They didn't have chirp, chirp back then, by the way. Uh, but now they else. do. Now they do. Those angry birds. The fiercest robin-sized bird on the planet. Robin-sized, I love it. <laughs> so you go up there, you're taking a computer science, so, which has to be pretty new. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, they had a pretty good program up there, uh, actually. Okay. So I, le- I learned a lot of different languages, but I was already... So, so my dad, my junior year, I think it was my junior year, Maybe as a so- end of my sophomore year, he had bought a new computer system because this business had grown a little bit. So I said, hey, let me come down there and check it out. I'll, I'll go look at it. Well, the sales guy had sold him source code. My dad didn't know what source code was. He just he bought it. <laughs> Turns out with the source code, I could go in there and make changes. Give me one of those. I'll take, one of those. <laughs> I'll take one source code, please. <laughs> I'll take one, one order of source code. Extra so with the source code, though, I could make changes, and he didn't have to pay this firm $3,000 to make the changes. So right. I always joke around with him. I said, it took me about 12 hours to write this commission system up. Did you charge him three grand? Uh, no, it was $4 an hour. Oh. But he had to pay. He had to match taxes on it, so it was about fifty bucks he paid me to write this thing. <laughs> it sounds like your dad. That's a very believable story. Well, so I just Hell saved him the entire cost of a year of college. So did he give? Much. So he took over your fourth year and just kind of paid it. And said, no. So what what happened though is the guy that the guy that had sold him the system was like, dude, you can do that. What you want to do that for some of my other customers? And what'd you say? Hell yeah. 
let's talk about this. Now, I didn't know how much to charge at the time. I had no idea what was going on. I knew I got paid four bucks an hour from my dad, so I figured I could work these guys for a little more. <laughs> like five and a quarter, right? What uh, was minimum wage back then? <laughs> three? Was it three? I don't wow, know. What it, it was probably little... it was probably right around there. I mean, <laughs> so so you got into this thing. You had a little bit of passion. You kind of messed around with your dad. Your dad was like kind of using you in a good way, right? Because you're losing, using the skill. But you weren't really sure where the heck this was going to take you. You're just like, okay, I'm kind of digging in. I'm just going to go with the flow. So, I'm, yeah, I'm going with the flow. So this guy calls me in his office and says, hey, I got this project to do. And uh, I would like you to quote it because I'm using some other contractors, like the one that bid for your dad's work yep. that you did. Uh, you'd be bidding against them, so it's competitive. So uh, he goes, uh, so here's the project. He laid it out for me, and I, and I want to say it was uh, uh, it was like 100 hours of work. Yeah. So I was thinking to myself, man, how much should I charge for this? And so I go, uh, I think it's about 100 hours of work. Now, that was me. Now, I, I wouldn't charge for any of the design and analysis. I just thought you should only charge for when you're hitting the keyboard. So the most important wow. part is the design. Right. Because you're solving the problem, not just coding it. But anyway, I, I figured out I was 100 hours of work, and I go, I'll bid. And I'm talking to him, right? I had never done a formal bid. And you're how old now? 20? I'm, uh, at the time, 19. 19. Uh, yeah, 19 years old. And I'm, I'm like... So you were uh, ripe to be, like, exploited. Yeah, and he wasn't trying to exploit me. He was telling me the rules. I mean, this guy was great, too. He was another guy. Bob Berg was his name, and he had this great work ethic. Now... I don't know if it, I don't know if the family would say it's great because he just works so much. He works right. all the time. So I saw these two, you know, male role models were just working ungodly hours every day, and I thought that's normal. What, it's normal. That's what you do. So I'm like, yeah, I'm going to work. Heck, I'll do this over the weekend. I'll work in the evenings. So I I go uh, I go Bob, this is a uh, hundred hours. I said I think I'm going to bid ten dollars an hour. Like this was like <laughs> I was being paid four dollars an hour, right? I'm going to bid two and a half times. Uh, yeah, ten dollars an hour. He goes, he goes, well. Are you sure you want to bid that? And I'm say, I go, well, I want to win this thing, but and I know you can't tell me the others. He couldn't tell me what everybody else was bidding, right? <laughs> uh, he said that's not fair. He goes, but he goes, he goes, but Tony, he goes, uh, you could probably go up a little from that. <laughs> but he wouldn't tell me how. I go, oh boy, I got my bravery in there, and I go, fifteen dollars an hour. And uh, he goes, are you sure you want to do that? I go. I'm sure he goes. You win. <laughs> <laughs> I think everybody at the time, the contractors were charging thirty-five to fifty dollars an hour. Oof. Wow! And and I didn't have you know. I mean, I knew what I was doing, but I didn't have the experience of the pedigree. So I would thought you would have figured out that if the other one, you could have gotten a thousand dollars, well, no, three thousand dollars, right? For f how many hours? Twelve hours. Well, I did twelve hours. I didn't know how many hours they had bid. But you still got it done. Yeah. You know? Well, okay. I wasn't very smart back then. <laughs> Sorry. I wasn't trying to rub it in. I was like, that was your one point that you definitely had. Oh, you yeah. Knew it, was you good. know, I had zero. Uh, I mean, I watched my dad talk to doctors to sell them stuff, but I didn't really have any sales training. Right. And so here I am. I, I was like super nervous bidding this thing, too. Like 10, when I went $15, I was like, holy cow, this is so much money. <laughs> I'm going to be rich. I'm going to be, yeah, super rich, right? And then he, so I, I did that work. And then he started introducing me to other clients. And did you do well at that job? Did yeah, you do it for yeah, 100 it hours? It's all good. You, you were pretty good with your estimate out of the gate the yeah. first time? Yeah. You know, and, and even if I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have charged him. So uh, something similar, then I, I've got a client up in uh, Muncie where Ball State University is. Uh, he hooks me up with one of his clients that was not too far off campus. So I would drive over there three days a week and do work for them, like after classes when I was in college. And one of the first things I did was I I, I did all this work for him. 
uh, you know, I had to, they had to, some changes they needed done with their invoicing and some other things. And they, they appreciated me, but I, I, you know, I, I built up a time, I hadn't invoiced them yet. And I built up time over, I don't know, what it was three or four weeks. And they're like, Hey, you need to send us an invoice so we can pay you. I'm like, okay. So I type up the invoice and I send it to him. And again, I didn't do any of the design time or analysis. I was just charging for programming. And I sent him the bill and I think it was 900 bucks, I think was my first invoice to him. <laughs> and you know what they did? What? They, they kind of shook their heads a little bit. They wrote me a check for $1,800. Because they said, just felt so bad. They're like, dude, you did way more work than $900 worth here. You need to understand what your value is. And they actually paid me more than I invoiced them. Double. Damn. Uh, and so they taught me, like, hey, this stuff's worth more. And then I started getting, the, you know, again, I didn't really have a lot of sales skills. But then I started figuring out, wow, if you're good at something and people appreciate it and you don't try to take advantage of them, They'll 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 reward you by not only paying you but having you know have you do work again and again and again and help go ahead and work you into the network and say hey I got a buddy over here that needs some help too can you so help then they out? were yeah any other company that said hey can, uh, should I use Tony they would give glowing reviews you know and so now you're to the point where you're getting comfortable with one your parents had a, had a business you've seen that you could do this type of work what kicked you over the edge and said hey I'm gonna literally form up a real company and go from there. Well, yeah. So here we go, coming down the stretch my senior year. And at the, by this time, I have like five or six companies I'm working with. My dad's one of them, mom right. and dad's company. <laughs> so it, sorry for it, that again. No, <laughs> that's good. I mean, they were giving me good work too. I'd go home on the weekends to work there, uh, you know, doing coding and stuff. And so what happened is, you know, we're getting ready and dad's like, hey, you're coming home from school. You're going to come back to the family business. You're going to do our coding and stuff, right? You take care of the computers. I was like, well, I'm going to have to tell these other five companies I'm working with that I can't do anything with them anymore. And I was having a great time with all the different stuff we were doing, manufacturing companies, distribution companies. I was learning more and more about business. And so I decided, uh, ooh, I'll start my own consulting company. And my parents will be one of my clients, but I'll have all these other clients. So I started a company. Right. Yeah. I think that's kind of funny because uh, your dad's like going, I'm the smartest guy out there. I told him to go to school and <laughs> get a computer science degree. Now he's coming back to work for the family business. So <laughs> so now you got your dad on there. You got your new business started. You got four, three, four clients. And now you're off to the races. And I think I remember you telling me a story one time, which was, man, I'm getting out of school. I go, I got this other guy that's making X dollars. I'm going to make five times as much as that guy is because I've got my own company. Oh, yeah. The guys, the kids coming out of school, the ones that were, you know, the, the better kids in programming uh, with the programming degrees were making about 30 grand coming out of school. And uh, I'm like, man, I'm going to build, I'm going to graduate. I'm going to charge $25 an hour. There's 2,000 hours in a year on a work normal job. Yeah, so, so you're gonna do fifty. I'm gonna do fifty plus. grand. These guys, these chumps are making thirty. I'm gonna make fifty. <laughs> so my first year, I made eight thousand dollars. <laughs> uh, that's I which made more you about go. Sales. God, I want to do this some more because I made less than a quarter of what these other guys are making. These, yeah. So uh, I realized you have to sell something, and you have to keep that pipeline built up so that when you do the programming, you get paid for it. So you just what, – what did you do? You just didn't have enough clients in the pipeline? Right. Yeah, I did. I was, When I was coding, I wasn't selling because I was busy coding. And then I'd be done and I'd wait and I'd have to wait for – you know, a lot of times uh, Bob, the guy that ran the business, the reseller mm-hmm. business, he would refer me to somebody. So if they got something, he'd refer it to me. But if he didn't have something going on, 
So did you have like lulls in there then? Yeah. You just kind of worked like crazy and then you're off. Yeah, and a lot of times I just code and learning more about the operating system, the programming language. I'd be playing around with stuff just trying to. Because you had a passion. Of course. Yeah, loved it. Man. So the first year you made eight grand. But you graduated from college. (laughs) But. But and, but the other the flip side is is uh, by the end of that first year after college I remember uh, I bought a used car I think my payment was one hundred four dollars a month and where were you living I was living at mom and dad's house yay <laughs> <laughs> if they'd have had a basement I'd have been in the basement mm-hmm. uh, but I still living at home mom was cool uh, about it uh, dad was cool because I was still doing work for the company so I was taking care of them uh, but I had a hundred you know one hundred four dollar a month car payment and it, and by the end of that year I started paying myself. A thousand dollars a month. Ooh, now you're Ooh. going big. Now you're what forty forty percent of what the other guys are making. Yeah, well, because <laughs> yeah, because the first grand. like four months I didn't pay myself anything, but uh, so yeah, so now I'm making that uh, now after taxes it was only like seven hundred seventy dollars a month. I don't know who the <laughs> FICA was, but <laughs> nobody likes that guy. And so then I'm uh, and then I had uh, gas. I had yeah. to pay for gas. Uh, I might have still been on the old parent parental insurance program. I'm not sure, but uh, so the rest of it went towards uh, beer and hanging out with my buds. And you're having fun, and you're that's gr- so much disposable money for somebody at that time. <laughs> like I felt like, uh, dude, this is what it's like to have a business in the United States, baby, the American dream. I have, <laughs> I, I work my own hours. Now, most most of my own hours were like sometimes I'd get like my later own on hundred hours a week. Yeah, you can <laughs> yeah, pick whatever hundred hours a week you want. So later on, as I started get, getting some other projects uh, pretty rapidly, and, and within the first 12 months later, fast forward, I had had to hire somebody because I had so much work. So, Wow, uh, because in all respects, you were not successful. You were no. living at home. Living <laughs> with parents. You were making 40% of what anybody coming out of school was making. You were driving, was it a used car? It was a K car. Oh, the K cars. It was a used K car. So K-car. it was a used K car. Um, you had lots of girlfriends. It's like an old government-looking car. Yeah, yeah. It's Chrysler. Feds, Chrysler K yeah, car, people, right? When the people got out, they expected to see a federal agent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> if you wore his sunglasses and a tie. And a bad suit. He was in a bad suit. Thank you. Yeah. So at the end of the day, you you had this passion. You were doing this stuff. You weren't getting paid anything. You were living with your folks. And you were so smart. You said, hey, I'm going to continue doing this because this is awesome. It was fun. And I kept trying to figure out new ways to build code. And then we start, like I said, start picking up some customers uh, so uh, and some projects. And so I started having, to, started having to hire some people. Did you like, was your mindset, oh my God, I just got to persist. I got to keep going to be successful. Or was it just like, hey, I'm just going to keep doing this and because I'm liking it and I love it. and Yeah, I was, still, I was okay. liking it. And I had enough disposable income to go out with my boys and run around. and. So it's really kind of your mindset. You're like, hey, I, I like it. I got this money. I don't care if I'm living with my parents. I'm just having fun. Right. And my parents were pretty cool. Like if I, you know, if I rolled in at two o'clock in the morning, no big deal. Because a lot of times if we'd get a big project, uh, there were there were times where we have big projects that were due and, and I'd work all day. We'd eat dinner. You know, we'd have Chinese brought in or something and we'd still code during the evening, roll home about two or three in the morning, get up at 10 in the morning, come back and do it all again, do that six days a week. Yeah. And, now, part of the problem of living at home is my dad, who had been at like this, you <laughs> Eight, know, this guy, uh, it was all about working as a schedule. You got to be there. He would come and yell at me. He'd be heading to work at 730 because his doors open at 8. You got to get your butt out of bed. You got to be responsible. Got to be responsible. You got to get to work by 8. You got to be at work at 8. And I'm like, 
uh, Dad, that's not how the coding world works. I just have to deliver this by, you know, February 16th. I got to deliver this project, so I just got to get it done. I'm working six days a week. I don't care. You got to be there at 8 o'clock. What if somebody calls at 8 o'clock? <laughs> You're my son. <laughs> right. You're disrespecting me. Get out of bed. <laughs> So, uh, though that was funny, that kind of went that kind of went on for a while. I, after about two years of that, uh, I ended up I ended up moving out to an apartment on my own. So you pulled up your K car, you filled it up, and you moved out to Ooh, the K car. <laughs> oh, wait, mine's not that better. I mean, a hole in the front. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, where you put your feet? I had a hole there. You can literally. Reach and touch, you know, the gravel road. Oh, the Flintstone or, car. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, yeah, but never do. You speed it up. So, so yeah, so part of the, I didn't tell you the story about the car. Uh, my dad, uh, you know, his business was going well, and he'd have a company car for, you know, to travel, uh, do his sales calls and so forth. And so I told him after, you know, I got to the point where I was making more than 12000 a year. Now I'm making 18000 a year, which is still not as much as my buddies are making. 60%. But I got enough disposable income. I got to afford a car payment, and I want to get – you know, I want to get a car. And he goes, that's a great idea. He goes, uh, this K car here, I've got a lot of miles on it. I'm, I'm done with it. I'm ready to get a new car. You can buy this one. I go, oh, oh, I don't want to buy that car. He goes, no, no, no. You don't understand. You are buying this car. <laughs> you live at home. You live at home. Right. So he drove me over to the savings and loan and co-signed for me to borrow enough money to buy the car from him. <laughs> Is that just hilarious? <laughs> Knowing your dad, I could just see him say it. No, no, you're buying this car. Yeah, that, that, no, wasn't a, that wasn't a question. That was a statement. <laughs> and uh, so I, that's how I got that car, right? And I had that for a couple of years. And then finally, uh, as I started getting to the point where I was making a little bit more money, I finally bought my own new car, which was like incredible. And you I didn't so tell proud. your dad? No, I told him. He, well, because <laughs> it was my car. I had paid it off. Now it's yeah. mine. I got to trade it in yeah. on a new car. Was that the Ford Mustang 5.0 at that time? No, that did. It was a Ford Thunderbird. Oh, all right. And it was funny because this K car had... Been driven hard and put away wet, as they say. Because it was your dad's. Because my dad's car, he drove it all over. I mean, he drove, you know, 50, 70,000 miles a year, probably Oof. more than that early Back on. Back then, yeah. Damn. So this thing had a lot of miles on it, and it was all rough. So I go uh, try. I go to test drive a brand new uh, Ford uh, T-Bird. And uh, the guys, the guy who's the sales guy is in the passenger seat. And I go up to, and I stop at the stop sign or stop at the stoplight when I'm driving. And then I stop and I go, oh, geez. And I grab the key and he goes, what are you doing? I go, oh, it's stalled. I got to restart. He goes, it didn't stall. It's still running. I go, oh, I'm just not used to having a car that doesn't make noise when you're sitting at the stoplight. <laughs> That's great. Oh, well, things have changed. Yeah. Huh? So, uh, Well, now you're to the point where you're actually getting some jobs and you're working up. And I know... Um, we're about 35 minutes in, but what happened next? I mean, you must have started to see some success. We want to hear about anything like a story from the edge, meaning like oh. there's rough stuff because Tony, I used to look at you and so I was like, he, the guy's just a magnet for good things. He's always smiling. But when I think back and put it together with your stories, I'm like, how did he ever get through that with a smile on his face? Well, Beer. <laughs> It'll do that. Still, no, uh, you only know, for so long. <laughs> there's a lot that uh, a lot of hit and miss. Like you learn a lot of things. You try stuff to get new customers. You try stuff with projects. Uh, do you have any big like losses? Like you know, like I did this and it was a real. Or uh, I did this and oh my god, that was awesome. Uh, yeah, there's a couple of them. Uh, one was I had a guy that uh, started not showing up for work on Monday mornings when we had three employees. Just Monday morning, okay. Monday mornings, and then that, then and he'd come in Tuesday and act like everything's you okay. Oh yeah, I didn't feel good, and then it, 
it, it just kept going and we started getting behind on our projects, uh, the project that he was on. And uh, at one point, I finally didn't show up on a Monday or Tuesday and he shows up on Wednesday. And, and then I get a call from the client and they're like, hey, you guys are late delivering this thing and you were supposed to have it done two weeks ago. And this guy said he was going to have it done. And so here's what we're going to do. You're costing me a lot of money. I know that I owe you $17,000 for all the work you guys have done, but you've cost me more than that. So here's what we're going to do. You're going to finish the project and I'm not going to pay you anything. Wow. So that, happened. so that happened. To the real world. That was a real world. And back then, $17,000 when you got three employees and I'm making 18. That almost pays a whole year of me. Two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, that guy, we had to let that guy go. We parted ways with that guy. We did finish the project. And that customer really didn't do a ton of work with us afterwards because we, we didn't. Did he great. pay you anything or not? He didn't pay us the, he didn't pay us the piece he said, <laughs> he said we cost him. Wow. Is that, that legal? Uh, yeah. Uh, if we agree to it, I mean, I at the time, it. I guess I guess I said, so said hey, I'm taking you to the court. You were probably pretty young. You were probably were a little bit. What's and it? I talked to some people, you know, who I would consider, you know, Bob, who was a guy. And I told him what was going on and, you know, talked to, you know, your your father, your mother. And you just get some advice. It's like, well, you, your guy screwed up and your guy's your responsibility. It's your company reputation. So. You could go to court, and what if you lose then? Then you got to pay a lawyer and you lose. Is that kind of like the soldering iron? I'm it's not like going to do that again. Hey, I tell you what, the best problems to learn from are the ones that are the most painful and the most costly. <sighs> because when people warn you about something, it doesn't, doesn't really nothing. stick. But I tell you what, I don't touch anything that looks like it might be hot. The glowing. Still to this day. <laughs> Red. Yeah. That's 50 years later. I still won't talk. I won't touch stuff that looks hot. So now you got some good projects. You had this thing fall apart. I, I know that you've grown considerably. So how long did it take you to get some significant growth? Yeah. So we, you know, we had at that point, we had three or four employees and we had five and it took a while to hire some people. We started getting into not only doing software, but we were doing networking and selling servers and desktops and wiring them together. And uh, all of a sudden we started growing really fast. We we ended up hiring, I want to say over an 18 month period, we hired like 13, 14 people. And how far in was that? Was that like four years in or 10 years in? That's probably six years, seven years in. So, you know, part of what we want to do is we want to help or teach people. I mean, it doesn't all go awesome at the beginning and you have to have persistence. And then once you get some traction and you get your name out there and things are going well and you know what you're doing, then the hockey stick starts to take place. Yeah. For the most part, we, you know, outside that that guy's project that we let get out of hand. Then we got a little better at project management, like communication internally as well as customers started hiring. So we actually, we grew so fast that we made the list in uh, 1993. We were on the Inc. 500 list, which Inc. Magazine does a list sure. of the fastest growing privately held companies in the country. And we were ranked, uh, we were ranked in the top half. Cool. Number 248. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> hey! so top half. With uh, a little grease, you just snuck right in there. That's right? right. So they look at your base year, and then they look at that uh, over the next, you know, over five years of growth. They look at how fast you're growing. But with 16 people that you hired, how many did you have before that? Were you, did you go from five to 21 or 20 Yeah, to that's 36? a good question. Uh, the base year, I think that time when they were doing that was like our base year's income or revenue was like 140000 and we went to like uh, $1.4 over that time period. Whoa, that's so, awesome. Uh, and then we we repeated again in 1996. We made the list again. Three years later. Uh, so we were really starting to grow. We had we'd gotten connected with a uh, with a bigger company, that, and we were doing a lot of programming for their product that gotcha. they were selling. And then they started, you know, we started getting connected with a lot of their customer base and so growing they, that way. They would kind of have an off the shelf. You're almost like a tailor, right? Yeah. 
you, you pull it off the rack and it's like, oh, I need a little more here, or a little cut down there. And then you come in there and design those extras and that's what you would do. And that would make the people really happy because they need some customization on their right. stuff. And, and, and on top of that, they would say, oh, we just bought this new software, but we need a, we need a server to run it on and we need new PCs and all this. So we would do everything. You do the hardware. We do the training. The training. single source. We were the single source for That's their, right. So needs. people didn't know single source <laughs> systems. systems. Right. And so if you ever see a license plate that goes SSS Inc., that's you, right? Yeah. Well, no. Well, now you're Big Petro, BG Shh, Petro. Don't tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. But, yeah. So what happens, we got partnered with this company and uh, we started building, instead of doing custom programming, which we continue to do, we started seeing the same modifications being done. Customization. Nice. So we started productizing them and selling them as what we call a bolt-on or an add-on. So they'd buy their software, and then they needed a solution that did X, Y, or Z, and they would just buy ours. And it would just plug in, and they could use it day one. We wouldn't have to do any custom programming. And that's got to be very profitable, right? Because you've already done the hard work. Write it once and sell it a lot. That was our... <laughs> It's kind of like Chicago voting. Yeah. Vote, vote often or whatever. It's like, vote early, vote often. Yeah, not exactly the same. But you get the idea. If you already did it, you could just go ahead and replicate it. And I guess my grandfather uh, used to vote every year. After uh, he Every election. Gone? Yeah. Well, no. Before he was voting just once in each election. <laughs> after he died, he was voting like three times in every election. <laughs> I know. That stuff is crazy <laughs> when you like read about it. So now you're doing well. You have hit the uh, Inc. 500 twice. One right over the halfway mark, one higher up, I'm imagining. A little lower. A little lower, 249? The base year, the base year was higher, right? So the, yeah. it's based on the – so, yeah. So what happens is we start getting connected with this company, and it, we're coming up on the Y2K, and they've decided to go from this old technology they use to rewrite everything in .NET. Kobe, you know Oof. what .NET is? Of course I know .NET. Okay. See, it's still a thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is back, back in, this is back in like 98. Now. They're like 98, 99. They decide they're going to rewrite their entire ERP system, which is Enterprise Resource Planning, which right. manages an entire manufacturing company. They're going to rewrite it all in .NET. So they spend all their time code, 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 code. They run out of money. They're a public company, but they run, they run out of money. And you're helping them write all this, right? We are not helping them write much of this, uh, but, but we're selling our bolt-on products. We're selling their product, and then they're selling my bolt-on products. And each year for the prior three years, like they would, they would sell more of my stuff than I sold of theirs. So they kept owing me a little more, a little more, a little more because they were a little slower to pay me. And so, you know, at the end of the first year, they owed me like seventy thousand dollars more. Ouch. But but they kept making payments. We were making payments back and forth. But since they were selling more of ours, that just kind of kept adding up. And then the next year, like they owed me like two hundred and ten thousand or something. And oh no! And then the next year. They owe me like 500 and some thousand more I than I owe them. I see the edge coming up. Right. And then uh, I get a call from the bank one day because we had a line of credit, and the line of credit is typically used to finance the accounts receivable. Whatever people owe you, you you know, you can borrow against it. As long as it's not too old. As long as it's not too old, as long as it's not too much. And we had gotten to the point where it was automated. Instead of every day checking the balance and moving money, is they would just automatically transfer money to our bank account when we needed it. And then when we had more money, cash came in that week, they would, they would it take it back and they would tell us, you know, anytime we could look up what, what the balance was. So they called me one day and said, hey, uh, we just noticed on your $700,000 line of credit, you guys have $840,000 balance. They go, you can't do that. You've overborrowed. And I go, well, we didn't do that. You guys did that. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't tell you to transfer anything. You guys just did it. He goes, well, be that as it may. Tony, uh, you and Marty, my partner, you and Marty need to pay this down by end of business tomorrow. You got to get it back to 700000 Or? 
I, I say, well, or, or or what? He goes, well, you just need to pay it down. <laughs> so I said, well, that's going to be a problem because Marty and I don't have 140000 between the two of us. Yeah. Right, We're, you could sell a couple of your kids, but it wouldn't get you anywhere. And close. we each had several young kids. <laughs> uh, I think at that time it was ninety-eight. We probably had I had four. Marty had four. So, yep. and we all had them very close together. So, in five years, we had eight kids. Oh wow! Between the two of us. So, so you've got that stress. You've got, got that stress. Mouths to feed. Now you got this bank calling. You said, "Dude, cough up one hundred and forty, like by tomorrow." So yeah. So I call the CFO of this public company. I'm like, "Dude, you guys." Owe, and at the time when I looked, they owed us like nine hundred thousand. We had borrowed. Oh my gosh. Most of that to keep the. We had to make payroll. Of course you did. So now uh, they go. Uh, I go, dude. You got to get me some money. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. We're just. We're we're in a tough spot now. I don't have anything to send you. I wish I could. I don't have anything to send you. Like, <laughs> uh, so I was like, oh my god. So I was like, dude, I was freaked out. So I went back to the bank. I'm like, gosh, Mr. Banker, we we don't have the money to pay you back. Um, well, then you need to tell us how you're going to make this right. So basically, he said, you go back and make a new plan. How are you going to cut head count, uh, cut your expenses, whatever? But we need to figure out how you're going to pay this down as soon as possible. So we went into panic mode over the weekend. And wrote up a new plan, and we had to fire like I don't know four or five people out to of, reduce the expense. Out of uh, at the time was probably twenty five people, thirty. So about twenty percent. Yeah. So we had to we had we had to let them go to make the bank whole because our partner wasn't paying us. And so we put the plan together and said, "This is what we're going to do." And they said, "Okay, here's what happened." And this is the week before Thanksgiving. Actually, we ended up having a conversation. Uh, I think it was we were going to have uh, payroll was Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. He was talking to us on Wednesday. He said, hey, we're going to be closed, but I tell you what I'm going to do is I'm going to call you on Friday. And we're going to be closed. I'm going to miss your phone call. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to let you know if we're covering your payroll on Friday, but I'll call you later and let you know. So, oh, my God. So, They're going to let you know. <sighs> yeah. So we didn't even know. If, and we couldn't. Like, so we had, oh we, had, we had already let the people go. But he was like, we're going to tell you if we're going to support your payroll. And they called and said they would. Oh, so a lot of people think when you own a business, it's kind of, oh, you're really rich, you own biz- you own a business. The stress level there, it doesn't always go really well. And at this point, you literally have 20, 25 people that could be blowing up your phone the next day when they can't pay their mortgage, can't pay for their kid's school, can't pay for their clothes. And you got all this stuff going. So, so student- Mar- Marty and I had taken pay cuts to try to have to try to make payroll, so we had started reducing how much we were taking to try to make things work. And you know what? When there's four employees or five, and you take two of you take a big cut in your pay, you can you can make, make payroll last last for a long time. But when you're talking about 25 people, you take a pay cut doesn't really help a lot. But we did, and I had gotten to the point. I was just thinking about that earlier today. I had run up, and fortunately, I was able to get credit. You know, have credit cards over the years build up credit cards. You know, I did a lot of business travel and whatnot, so I could use them right. for work. But I ended up racking up our credit cards. I think I was in the I was in the forty mid forty thousand dollar balance on that because Oof. I couldn't even I was spending more you know with four kids and what I was spending more than I was making because I took the pay cut. Any stress with that? No stress. No <laughs> stress at all. I mean that's pretty easy actually. Uh, no, it was very stressful, and I actually uh, got to a point where I could not make I did not have enough extra money to pay the interest that came in every day or every month on the credit cards. It was like seven hundred dollars a month in interest, and I wasn't even I didn't have enough extra to make that payment. I remember so it just kept rising. It just kept going up, and uh, so here we are closing in on two thousand. Uh, the bank supported us on um, not, not shutting us off. 
Uh, and then at the same time that we thought this business, this partner business was going to go out of business, which they were going to go chapter 11 and restructure instead of restructure because they had a lot of customer income. They just had a lot of bills. Right. So if they go chapter 11, we were called one of these things called unsecured debt. Uh, of course you are. Unsecured creditor. Right. So basically what it means is they would just not pay us. Right. And, or they'd pay us something like four cents on the dollar or 10 cents on the dollar. These things and they get they get worked out where they're horrible. They're not horrible for the company. The comp- that company would have continued, but they would have gotten to pay us over like four years or five years, and they pay you quarterly, like four cents on the dollar. Then they divide that over 16 payments. And that's really small. That's a really small amount, and so you basically have to wait for your money. They can't, they can't pay it to you quicker because they don't have it. Mm-hmm. And even if they do have it, they don't pay you because they've got a plan. So we thought they were going to go out of business. And uh, or at least chapter eleven, and so I thought we I thought our business was done anyway. We because that's eight hundred thousand dollars. Pretty much, you're not getting much of that back, right? Thinking they're going to go ba- bankrupt. Thinking they're going to go bankrupt. Uh, we were able to. I went over. I did go over one last ditch effort. I went to the CFO and I said, "Dude, I, I talked to my lawyer, and he's like, see if you can collateralize some of the debt." So, which means that if they go, what do you call it, belly up? You at least have something you can yeah. get. Dude, like, like, just give me some stock because you're a public company. Give me some of your stock in exchange. And then that way I could go sell that on the market to get some of my money back. It goes out. Oh, we can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. So I'm driving back home and we had always dreamed of building our own software product and they were doing this .NET thing. So on the way home, I called him. I'm like, dude, what if we took a part of this money you owe us and I buy a license to this software you've just written and I build my own service management software on it, not manufacturing like you guys, but I use the same tech stack and the same set up and I'll, I'll build my own product, but I won't compete with you guys. And you guys can write off some of my accounts receivable. And he's like, yes, because little know, little did I know at the time, they were in the talks of getting acquired. And because I took some of that debt, the accounts the payable down, it made their numbers better to help the, you know with, with their with numbers on acquisition. acquisition. And it helped me because uh, if you go fast forward six months later, they got acquired. And then that new company, after they audited everything, made good on the whole $900,000 they owed, less this amount we worked out for the software. And so less than a year later, uh, my personal credit card was all paid down. <laughs> People were getting their checks for their payroll. People got their checks payroll. You weren't we're... sweating bullets every Thursday night. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was it was incredible. Uh, our account, uh, the line of credit was paid all the way down. Yeah. I mean, so all of a sudden, we looked like we were in great shape. Like a magician. Like, yeah. Poof, poof. All your everybody's like, oh, this stuff's easy. Everybody's looking on the outside. Oh, this is easy. You guys are, this is an easy business. But it was a little bit, yeah, painful. 